0: this episode is brought to you in part by our daily bread ministries experience the joy and freedom that comes from a faith that perseveres check out unshakable moxie growing a resilient faith at unshakablemoxie.com from our daily bread ministries visit unshakablemoxie.com
1: before we begin today's episode i want to advise caution Today's conversation includes discussion about bullying and suicide and could be triggering to some listeners. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. September in the U.S. is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. This is my first time discussing suicide on the show, so I wanted to invite someone who spoke directly to grace enough's purpose. God can use any story to impact his kingdom. Yes, it requires surrender and trust, but his grace is enough. Carrie Spring lost her son Greg to suicide, and today she shares about the bullying he experienced, her journey of forgiveness, and the Gregory Spring Perseverance Scholarship Fund she founded in his honor. Our conversation is raw and tender and certainly points to the nearness of God during intense suffering. As you listen, if you or anyone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or emotional distress, call 988 for help. Good afternoon, Carrie, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast.
2: Thank you for having me today.
1: I am looking forward to our conversation as we are going to be talking about something near and dear to your heart because it's part of your personal uh, family experience. But before we dive into that, will you share a little bit of your faith journey with us, how you came to know Christ early on, um, whenever that may be?
2: Sure. You know, I was fortunate. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, we kind of joke a little bit about it as I was raised in the Baptist church. So, we, you know, we we were saved 15 times every time That's we went right. just to make sure that we were saved. Um, but, you know, at was, every youth great. camp, right? Yep. Every youth <laughs> camp, every summer, just to make sure that God heard us. Um, but, you know, it was a blessing to, you know, go to church on Wednesdays and, and Sundays and Sunday evenings. And until we became teenagers and we realized that, you know, we, I should say we talked our parents into allowing us to play sports and not have to go yeah. on the Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays, Sundays, whenever they had an event going on. But now I see the benefit of what it yeah. gave me as the foundation of my faith. So I'm so grateful. You know, we did the Iwanas and the church oh, yeah. and all that, you remember, but it well equipped me, including yeah. the camps. So as I was growing up, you know, just memorizing the verses, learning some of the biblical stories. And probably at that time, I would say I probably didn't digest too much of what it all was. But as I began to walk into adulthood, that foundation really stuck with me as I began my married life and my career.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is so true. It's like we talk about as adults that what we put in is what forms us. And then in the same breath, sometimes we complain about all the things like, oh, they drug me to church all the time, or my parents, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, (laughs) whatever we do forms us. So it is a great testimony when that is your story. Well, your family experienced a life-changing event that none of us want to experience or look forward to, or any of those things. And that is the loss of your son, Greg, to suicide. Share a little bit about your family life prior to that. You know, what was it like? What were your family dynamics?
2: My husband and I, I was married young, I'll be honest. I was married at 18. He was 24. And it was about, I think on our second anniversary, somewhere around there, when we had our daughter, Julianne. Uh, who's 28 now, which is hard to believe, wow. but and then Greg came 18 months later. So you know it was a little uh, busy, hectic our early on. <laughs> yeah, it was it was you know growing up. But what it did is it just developed them as becoming best friends growing mm-hmm. up. And then you know around our house, we we're we we're a high end sports family. Uh, you know usually soccer to basketball to softball or baseball. So it was year-round. We were always going someplace. I, I coached the kids quite a bit. And my husband was always the one that was out doing the, you know, either the hunting or working in the wood shop or whatever it was with with our son. And we're a family that makes maple syrup. So it was oh, that's so always fun. busy. Yeah. It was now, do you live in Virginia? No, I live in New York State. So, okay. But we have a sugar shack, we still do it today. So from an early I age, you know, that's what our kids knew to do. And What was, you know, probably one of the greatest blessings we have is there was always kids at our house Mm. and we remembered, uh, you know, some of the kids saying after Greg passed is we always liked hanging at your house because you were a family that didn't fight and there was a mom and a dad there. And there was always food on the table and no questions asked. And so, you know, it was just, and that was the environment. And when we began to re- reflect on that, we're like, yeah, that's part of our legacy because there was only a few phone, a few homes that these group of kids could go to and have that stability. And mm-hmm. we knew as parents that we wanted to continue to provide that to the neighborhood kids.
1: Okay. And so were you an athlete yourself?
2: I mean, you I said you
1: grew up playing sports, but you know, I, that can mean a whole host of things.
2: <laughs> I, I was. I actually um <laughs> I actually did uh, soccer, basketball, and softball. And okay. I had scholarships uh, to go to college, which I in the end I did one semester of playing, and then I decided that I had won too many concussions. <laughs> so <laughs> I gave it up and said I better use my brain for uh for my education. Yeah. And other things. And that's what my husband is like. I'd rather have kids young so that we can enjoy them and then eventually enjoy grandkids someday. So I gave up my sports, but coaching kind of brought that a little bit alive to me. So, yeah,
1: Yeah. I know. I mean, I say that because I played basketball and not in college, but, you know, for years, obviously growing up. And I sometimes have thought, like, oh, I think I'd enjoy coaching basketball. Um, I don't know for sure if I would, but I certainly love the game. So uh, I think coaching your kids would be very, very enjoyable. Yes. Well, share as much as you feel comfortable with about the day and the few days after, just the circumstances surrounding the loss of your son.
2: So one of the things to know, uh, you know, about Greg is 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 he was growing up about second grade. Um, he was diagnosed with Tourette's now for most people there, you know, there's extremes of Tourette's Mm -hmm. and for Greg, it was, it was mild ticks and, you know, for learning in the classroom, there was a lot we put in place. Repetition was his, his way. And, and we had, um, I don't want to say battled, but we had gone back and forth with doctors as they placed limitations that he would never play sports. He would never do this, never do that. And we're like, "Eh, I'm going to give him every opportunity to do it. Um, and in fact, in second grade, he was the goalie for the um, state hockey team oh, that won. Wow. So yeah. You're like, you know it was yeah it was like limitations like I'm not going to expect him to do things their way out of the organizer, but I'm also not going to put limitations on him. I'm going to let him and not a, try. Yeah, I'm going to let him try and see where he succeeds. So you know, with that said, bullying began at an early age. But the sports were his outlet where he had a group of friends that were like, no, we want him on our team. So it was like the positive aspect of his life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, all the way through his parents, we knew we had to kind of balance the Tourette's, the athletic standpoint, keep our eye on him for, you know, what was going on in the world around him. Um, And and things were going good. And of course, he had a a little bit older sister that all her friends and everything were like big protectors of, of him. But as he began to get in junior high and high school, um, the the bullying um, continued to get worse. But the thing that, that we didn't pick up on right away is how good he was at covering it up.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
2: one of the things that Greg always did was he had a smile on his face from morning mm-hmm. till night. You hardly ever knew that anything was bothering him because what we found out later is that it was his way of covering up his pain, even to us. So, you know, getting into high school and, you know, like I said, soccer season, you know, he was a starter on varsity at a very at a younger age than most kids. And, and he started and played the whole game. He was just naturally talented in sports and hunting and, you know, using his hands in the wood shop and electrical welding, that kind of stuff. But leading up to, you know, the day of his passing, Uh, He was playing on a travel soccer league and it was interesting because that season, now, mind you, these are 17 year old boys. Right. um, They had asked me to coach and wow. Yeah, it was, it was quite amazing. I was like, Oh boy. And um, they had, they had a coach that couldn't make all the games. So we kind of co-coached when we could, because I was also um, with my daughter's older team and I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. You know, like he really, we really want me to do this. And we had had a great season. I mean, really the difference between boys and girls are the sounds they make and the smell, you know, those are, those are really the difference, (laughs) but, but I have have a boy and a girl, so (laughs) I know that to be true. (laughs) Yeah. But as far as coaching and the desire to learn and the respect that they gave me was just, was it was a great experience that I'd never thought in my coaching years that I would even experience. And we had a great season. And so it was father's day and it happened to be a weekend where both the kids played. My daughter played in a tournament and he played down in a different town and we came back and we said, Hey, let's go see my dad. Let's go see my husband's dad. And we all went up, just had a great day, you know, and it just, everybody, it was a winning tournament. It was a winning game. And we just celebrated we celebrated that the school season or the school uh, was almost over and that we were heading on vacation in a couple of weeks to Myrtle beach, which is one of their favorite spots to ever go. And, you know, it was just, it was a great weekend. I mean, it was just like a typical family weekend for, for all of us and, and really no, nothing different out of the ordinary. And the next day, you know, we got up and there again, uh, Gino's dad. So his grandpa had had a few strokes and it limited what he could do and, Greg was normal to go up there and help him out with chores around the house. And so he had gotten up that day and he's like So
1: pause for a second. Did your your father in law live within like walking distance of your um, home
2: or driving distance? Yeah, he lived okay. within five miles of us. So okay. he got up and he's like, Hey, grandpa needs my help. Can I go up? And um, you know, I'm like, Yeah, you know, are your ABC done? And you know, you don't have at that time they had final exams, but they only went for final exams and then they could be off the rest of the day. So I'm like, yeah, sure. And so he went out there and he helped him all day long, you know, just there again, a typical day, he responded to our texts. you know, and everything went good. And then it went radio silent about three o'clock and we didn't think much because if he went up in the woods, a lot of times he goes up, he would go up in the woods on his four wheeler, you know, just typical stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and then he would respond a few hours later. And, about six o'clock when we hadn't heard from him in three hours, we we were like, this is odd. So we called my father-in-law and he's like, gosh, what time is it? I haven't seen him in a few hours either. And that's when our alarms went off. Like, what is going on? Did he roll over on the ATV? Did he,
0: you know,
2: what happened? And you know, that you have that gut instinct and my husband and I both had it. We knew that something had happened. And one thing about Tourette's was things are impulsive. And so we we got up, and about four about four hours later, my husband and I found our son had taken his own life. And you know, it was hindsight. I can say that I'm thankful that my husband and I were the ones to find him. Mm. It is heart wrenching and as it as difficult as it was to remove that image from our minds for a couple of years. It gave us the closure that we would eventually need, mm. um, through the process of healing and it all. Mm.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace? BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org.
1: So in hindsight, can you look back now and see some signs that you didn't recognize at the time? Or even now, you look back and you're like, no
2: as far as suicidal signs no we yeah. never had we you know we had had conversations with them of you know both our kids like you know suicide is not the answer um you know we're like don't choose a permanent solution for a temporary problem you know and they were very clear on that stuff we could look back on hindsight and say we knew he was bullied should have <laughs> we taken him to counseling more should have we Pushed a little bit more and maybe charged some of the kids that were bullying when nobody else would do anything. Should have we done different things mm-hmm. in that aspect? Yes, we can look back and say that. Would have right. it have changed the outcome? Who knows? Who knows? That's I, right. You know, we can't look at that. But as far as him, we had never heard of him speak about suicide. We'd never had any indication or any. It was like a total blindside. When it came to suicide, the only thing that we knew was it was impulsive. And what messages he received in that day is unknown to us. And if he impulsed off of a a bullying situation, we could put together with Tourette's that that was a potential ending.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, because it is such an interesting thing when you start to think about, like, wow, what? what led to this? And you you don't have answers, right? Like that's the, I think that would be the hardest part yeah. for a loss of suicide is wanting answers and not having them. Um, would you say that's one of the hardest things that you experienced?
2: Oh, I, absolutely. And we have no note, we have no messages, we have no, th- there's, there's nothing out there to explain that. And You know, I'll even, even share this, that there was so many conversations that I had with God, you know, like Mm -hmm. why my son, why, why, you know, there's one person in this world that could have stopped that. And that's God. Like he could have changed the outcome. He could have made sure that the gun was locked up. He could have, you know, all these scenarios that me as a person on earth could come up with a solution. But reality is God, God's the only one that could have stopped it. And for some reason he chose not to. And going in even, and this, I mean, for our listeners, they may have, some may have heard me say this, but I questioned God. I was like, God, you know, (laughs) this kid is, you know, drug overdose three times they brought him back with a narcon pen mm-hmm. and this one did this and this one did this. Why did why didn't you take him? Why'd you take my son? It wasn't that, wasn't my home good enough. Wasn't this? Wasn't that? Right. I think those are all normal responses. Yeah. And this is where it goes back to being brought up and having a foundation of faith is mm-hmm. God said to me, and it was loud and clear and I don't question God anymore. Is <laughs> is, is is he said to me, I knew where Greg was coming and he was coming home. Hmm. I don't know where those others are coming. So it's your job to go witness to him. And and at that point, in our journey of healing, in our journey of grieving, even still, you know, because there are still hard days, even nine years out, is what I learned is, is I know those questions I still have, but I don't care anymore about the answers. Hmm. Cause it's not going to change the fact that Greg is in heaven and never coming back to earth yeah. in, in his arms. So it, for me, it's, it's a closure on those, mm-hmm. those questions. It's just, I trust, I trust God right. with his decision is yeah. now the answer to those that I accept.
1: Well, and would you say also that, and you kind of said this earlier, it's not that those questions never come to mind, but now you rest firmly on a truth in order to kind of shut those up, that they're Mm -hmm. just, that we naturally experience those.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a natural experience. And, and even like, you know, my daughter getting married a few days ago, or Mm -hmm. what is it, 10 days ago now, you know, those questions pop back up, like Greg, yeah. You should yeah, you experienced great. Yeah. You missed a great party. Like it yeah. was awesome. And your sister was beautiful. And, mm. and yet I trust God mm-hmm. for when he took my son home. Mm-hmm. And another concept that God really laid on my heart and, and allowing me to settle with it was I asked for a son and a daughter. I truly wanted one of each. And he, he granted me that request, mm. but he, I didn't say I want them forever. He didn't give me a time plate when they were born. And I have to accept what I was given. And he, mm. you know, kind of this thought process of, if I told you when your son was born, that you would only have him for 17 and a half years, would have you still wanted him? I don't know. Yes. I want to say, the would I? I would say yes, because I trust God with his life. And I trust God to the fact that the reason he gave me Greg was because i would be strong enough to go through this and help other people and and i'm so thankful for the life he did give me because he could have not given me any children Mm -hmm. he could have said "Mm, sorry i don't think you could handle it or sorry you don't deserve one whatever the case may be
1: yeah well and this is that situation where a dear friend of mine cindy when i was really struggling with something a few years back she was like that's the thing We receive the grace that we need when Mm -hmm. we walk through the next thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even have that amount of grace at this point in my life because I haven't walked through something like you have walked through. Um, And I might not ever. I hope that I don't. I pray you don't. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But, you know, you can see people who've gone through a lot of various traumatic experience look back in hindsight and say something very similar to what you just said. And then I'm sitting on this side of the mic going, <laughs> I don't know if I would look at God and say I would take him. Mm-hmm. Now I think if I were in your spot, yeah, absolutely, because I would still want my baby.
2: Mm-hmm. You the know memories. the that's memories right. never end. I'm telling you, you look and say, what did he accomplish? And then it never ends. It yeah,
1: never ends. Wow. Yeah. Well so tell me this if you um and if your daughter would feel comfortable you know, how did she deal with as obviously you don't know every internal thought that she has, but um I know it had to be incredibly difficult for her.
2: You know, the the interesting aspect to my daughter is one she had just finished her freshman semester at college and was living there to work there in the summer. So for oh. her the instant thing was I wasn't there to protect him. Yeah. So the The second part is she was a forensic science major. Oh, and then going into receiving her master's in intelligence. So Mm. she was in a position of, you know, sometimes you can know too much information Mm. (laughs) or have seen too much stuff. Amen. So we really had to step back and, and come up with a, a plan of attack for the first year mm. of putting guidelines in place to say, as a family, this is what's gonna happen. We're not mm. gonna, you know, for her, change her major. We're gonna, we're gonna make sure that things stay the same. No major life changes are gonna happen for a year. Uh, we will put support so in wise. places for school. Yeah, just different things. We're gonna, you know, a counselor will be available. Um, I actually coached soccer at the school because she was on the soccer team um, and, you know, put my place so I'd be on the away games to make sure that, you know, she had support in place that way and just different things that we put in place so that if she needed to have that support, it was available for her. Mm. And, you know, just remind her that you can overcome this and it's not her fault. And, you know, part of that if i could get into this a little bit wasn't Please. just the fact that greg passed away it's what people did directly after he passed that can that can just absolutely drive people insane and make it worse and you know for our situation when you deal with bullying and and suicide and the whole mix of that it it just opens the door especially with social media with with texting and a ac- 24-7 access to your kids. and in the Well, world and if thing. I'm
1: not mistaken, this happened like right during a time when bullying was really starting to come front and center. Am I correct with that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So feel free to share as much or as little as you would like.
2: Yeah. So less than 24 hours after he passed, the funeral home had put up the condolence page, you know, where people could go in, and we had family all over the country and it just spread out. And one of the bullies put, "Ha ha, he's dead. I hope he's in hell," as the condolence to us.
1: Huh.
2: And the and the funeral home missed it, and the post went through without being proved. Hmm. And you know, when you read that, and mind you, at that time we didn't initially read anything. We had a screen, but at that point they brought it through and said, "You need to see this," and we took a screenshot and at the time it just killed us inside but now and made you angry I'm sure because that would have sent
1: me through the roof
2: yeah and you know for us though it was a gift from God Mm -hmm. because he gave us an inkling of one just how much Greg went through that we didn't know about Mm. it also gave us an inkling of the world that we were living in far outside the small little town we lived in and what people are capable of, but most importantly, how we needed to forgive
0: Mm. as
2: Christians and act out our faith. And that of course was the hardest part. But so, you know, that, that had happened like right away. And obviously I'm not perfect. I made mistakes and this didn't happen overnight, but those are just some of the things. So that took place. So then we decided, okay, we're only taking messages from people we can trust. Like, let's, we're going to get rid of some of this so that we can digest and, and do this. And then we got some messages in from Christians that said, hey, God won't give you more than you can handle. You'll oh. be just fine, right? That old cliche that nobody wants to hear in the time of trauma, right? Then they're like, "Why did you?" Well, give It Greg makes my skin a-?
1: crawl, yeah. Gary.
2: <laughs> wait, crawl. wait. Why did you give Greg a gun? Like he was certified to hunt. Like he went to training class. Like, like I don't need to hear that right after. Like you know. So, and, and he's go, seventeen years he's old. Seventeen like, years old. Like, don't you all like your, live yeah. in upper in, New York? Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like and like we do syrup. He like knows the woods like the back of his hand. Um, People just and then such I had one to come things. back. It gets better um, went to a psychic and the psychic said, everything's going to be all right. I'm like, psychic, what do you, like, we don't, we don't do psychics. Like, and then, and then this one is the one that was just heartbreaking for us. Not only hurtful, but heartbreaking as they said, what sin have you committed that God oh, is punishing geez. you for?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so
1: <laughs> Whoever's listening, circle, none of these yeah. things are biblical.
2: No, none of them. And I'm like, so our circle at that point shrunk mm-hmm. and we said nobody in Nobody and like we have to right. And so, you know, I say these things not to say, you know, shame on you. I'm not calling people out, but as Christians, we need to be supportive, not hindering to people that are grieving and grieving and loss of anything. It doesn't matter if it's a child or you know, a parent or whatever the situation is, like, like think before you speak or think before you, you text on your phone. So
1: Well, I think people, real quick, I think people just feel like they need to say something. And I always encourage people, then just say, I am so sorry for your loss.
2: I'm praying.
1: (laughs) Or say nothing and give a hug and drop off a meal. Like, just, that's enough. That's it. I'm thinking about you.
2: Uh, Can there be more of you so we can duplicate
1: it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I've said some things that have hurt people in the past. But I think as you get older, you start paying attention. But what I've learned is that's not true because I know like 50 and 60 and 70 year old people who say this, and I'm like, we have to learn. Yeah, like that doesn't help.
2: No, it hurts. It, it, it hurts. And, and and you think about, you know, as you grow in your faith, you rely on other sisters and brothers in Christ yes. to help you through these situations. And they're hurting you almost as bad as the yes. other ones. And you're going, am I living in this crazy world? And how am I going to get out of it? Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> yes. you know,
2: I like go, whoa. So yeah, so those types of things. And, and it just, and this all happened within a week. Oh my gosh. Before we even had the funeral. So Thank God I had my faith and my foundation because what God had really spoken to us. Because obviously we were not sleeping half the time. We couldn't get people out of our house until you know we booted them out, which I appreciate. That's not a you know unappreciative thing. It was just when you're exhausted and you can't think, you just want space. Is He reminded us of? Colossians 3.13, we mm. have to forgive by faith out of obedience. And he also really reminded us, and this was probably tougher than the forgiveness, is, is that the truth will set you free. So at this point, nobody knew whether it was suicide or not. There were rumors, as you can imagine, okay. flooding through, right? We're the only You ones knew, saw. but not we everybody knew. else knew. Yeah, we okay. knew, but nobody else knew because we had screened people off. So right, the, right. just the firemen and the policemen that were there, that was it. Um, so we decided three things before, before we could have the service. And the first one was, is we very publicly and intentionally said that it was suicide and it was a poor choice. And this is why, and actually had the service based on don't wait to accept Christ type of a, Mm. a service on it. We wanted to be truthful. And then the next thing we did is, is we had to forgive that funeral home posts and others that were hurting us. And mm-hmm. that was tough in that moment. Um, but not as tough as the final thing is we had to forgive Greg. I was ultimately ask you. Yeah. We had to say, Greg, we forgive you because no matter what led up to that moment, no matter and we don't even know all of it, he made that final choice. Like nobody else was standing with him making that final choice. And whether it was conscious one, unconscious one, whether it was rattled just with everything flying through his head or through his phone or whatever it was, he still made that final choice. And we had to forgive our son. Mm. And we had to do it before we could have the service in order to be able to have a service and have a home where we could also witness to all his friends and mm. all his, these, a whole community that was just reeling and not understanding. Right. And so we made that happen before. And it was, we did it, but we still process for the coming months, but it made that initial forgiveness and a start to healing. So I'm
1: going to ask a tough question and please sure. feel free to, but do you find yourself ever even now having to go back and forgive again? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Especially big moments, um, mm-hmm. you know, like like the wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to have my nephew walk us down who was one of Greg's best buddies. He was um I think there was 10 years difference between the two of them, but every time Eric needed something, "Hey, Greggy, come help me." Mm-hmm. Um and they act so much alike, they look alike. They they I mean, it's just amazing the two and and you know, so I had said, no, "I can't, I can't walk alone. I, I just can't do it." Um, and so he graciously did that. And, but I did, I just said, Greg, it's killing me here. Like, like I want it to be you, yeah, you know, and, and walk through the forgiveness again for not being there.
1: And I point that out because I think again, (laughs) well-meaning Christians can sometimes say things about forgiveness that just aren't true. Yeah. It doesn't mean you didn't forgive someone if you have to do it over and over again. Right. It just means the offense has come back up. Yeah. Your heart is broken. Yep. You're angry again and you take it back to God and you forgive again. I mean, just like con- God. That's forgives right. Us. It's a confession thing. That's all that it yeah. is.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, well, tell me when you talk or when you think about parents who, I mean, there's, there's, two different parents we could address here. Mm-hmm. Parents who have walked the path that you have walked and parents who are clueless and wonder, you know, could this be my child? Do you have anything that you would say to one or both of those parents?
2: One thing that we had close with Greg, and, and even, you know, we did every night we talked to him. Um, and, and I, one you know, it like we still had the situation happen, but we knew what was going on in his life. Like as far as his schedule, what he was doing, if something bothered him that day, as far as, you know, a test or things like that, you know, we had that open line of communication. The thing that we probably needed to improve is maybe listening a little bit more and not making it so routine about schedule and school and test and things like Mm -hmm. that. So I would encourage and you know, maybe listen instead of asking more questions and really mm. take, use that time a little more efficiently mm. looking back. Um, but we do value those conversations because even today, we a lot of times reflect on those and are glad that we have them because every night before he went to bed, he told us he loved us mm-hmm. and good night. And we knew what the next day was. Not, not everyone has that. Um, mm-hmm. I would also say, teach your kids about Christ because nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. Nobody knows what's, what's going to happen, good, bad, and different, whether it's a car accident, whether you're not there and there's nobody else to leave your faith, because then you know that you'll see your child again. Like I know I will see Greg Greg again, despite Mm. the circumstances. Um, The other thing, when it comes to suicide, whether it's from bullying, whether it's from depression, anxiety, whatever the, the thing is, is seek counseling because, there are things that can help sometimes people need medication some people need yeah. a diagnosis um and you know Greg was both he, he had medicine for his Tourettes he did see a counselor did we do it enough there's a lot of things we can go back and say maybe maybe not right. I, you know we can't but at least make an attempt and the other thing that I would highly encourage especially out of ours was don't allow others to be the dictator of what is done in circumstances. And what I mean by mm. that is if your kid's getting bullied um, and you're just going to trust the the police or the schools to uh, make sure that the bullying stops or the discipline is proper for the others, don't. You're your child's best advocate. Mm. And you need to follow up and make sure. I didn't know that things weren't happening properly. I didn't know that things weren't really being taken care of because I just assume when they're in their care, yeah. they take care of things, right? Well, and uh, you're not a mama bear, right?
1: Like, yeah, yeah. we we s- criticize those people sometimes. Like, stop always running and rescuing, yeah. and that's that's yeah. that that's hard. It's there's a, a tension of oh, when do I need to go and when do yeah. I need to not? And I don't think you made the right or the wrong decision. Hindsight is 2020.
2: Yeah, and and know your laws. Like know what your disability laws are, know what your IEP laws are, know what what the laws are within the school. If if bullying does happen, like New York state has a new law in that they have to report it online. You can report it online. So there's a lot of things out there. Educate yourself because you're going to be your child's best advocate. And Mm. if you have an inkling, call the suicide hotline, find out what there's out there and find out what immediate sources there are in your area and take your child there and get help. I really
1: love that because you are a person who you, you had communication with your kid and obviously not everyone does that, but it still happened. And that's where the Christ piece comes in, because Mm -hmm. I think some people listening may be like, yeah, but it still happened to you. Yes, because life is not a formula. Mm -hmm. Parenting is not a formula. Mm -hmm. What happens to our children is not. If I do X, Y, and Z, then they're going to do X, Y, or A, B, and C. Like, it's just not the way it works. No. And we want to believe that. And I think Christians are the worst. Like, (laughs) raise a child up in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. I'm like, well, yes, but we take that out of context a little bit, right? Like,
2: (laughs) Or they forget about James when it says, you will face trials and struggles, and they forget about that aspect. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. And that's that's the thing. When I'm saying this, I'm not mocking the word of God. I'm saying like we can't slap Bible verses on things Mm -mm. because there's a whole lifetime of 24 hours a day caring for people and decisions change and we do things right and we do things wrong. And so let's not act like there's a formula for it.
2: Yeah. No, there's no formula, <laughs> yeah.
1: There's, I mean, absolutely, and so it is,
2: you're right, like teaching
1: them about Christ from a young age to where even though you're suffering on the earth without him, you know you'll be re- reunited yeah. with Greg one day, absolutely, yeah. It'll well, so tell day. me, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I know, it gives us hope, doesn't it? Well, I know. You've set up this uh, scholarship fund and I want to make sure I don't mess it up. Gregory, he goes by Gregory, right? Yeah. Spring Perseverance. Perseverance scholarship fund. Scholarship yes. fund. So tell us a little bit about that, why you set it up, what it does, you know, how you go about distributing that, all the things.
2: Uh, th- this is my heartbeat. I'll be honest. This is this is what I love. Uh you know one of the things greg was was a kid always helping others like if there was a kid mm. need needed their tire change he could do it if they needed something welded together he would do it if a teacher wanted a napkin holder made for christmas he was on it that's just how old the kid was and he was also an entrepreneur that would take our maple syrup and sell it out of his locker and never let us know about it so we have some <laughs> great memories about that but and he played travel sports. So, you know, hockey and that, we had some travel programs where kids all around the community were. And mm-hmm. so we had said that we wanted to continue sharing and and really pouring into the lives of our youth in the area and start a scholarship fund. But we also wanted it to be a preference to kids going into trade because Greg was going to be a welder. he okay. already been certified as an adult, but. He, he was just, he loved working with his hands. He he can make just about anything. So we kind of got that as the foundation of how can we make this happen? And then what school districts would we include? And so we went out and we started thinking about it. And I'm like, I was a Portville graduate. That's near Olean and Allegheny. He played with kids on those teams. And then we have a couple of small schools, uh, Hinsdale and Frankville and Elkville, and then all kind of like within a short mile radius. And I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. So we started doing the fundraising and what is so cool about what God does is first couple years you do the good old, uh, you know, chicken barbecue, get the raffles going, all that <laughs> stuff. There's so much work and you're going and we gave out uh $2,000. So we gave out like four or five, $500 scholarships. And we're like, we're doing this. Man, it's a lot of work. We're doing it. You know, girl, so, you work in ministry. You should know all about yeah, Absolutely. But, but here's, here's, here's how God works. He knew our heartbeat. And somebody made a connection with the Buffalo Sabres hockey team organization. And we now do the 50-50 and we have given in eight years because we had to build our fund for a little bit catch this forty two thousand dollars so awesome yeah so we do we work games and and now god has actually opened the door which is absolutely amazing because of the mm. reputation we've held over the years where it's buffalo bills buffalo sabers buffalo Amherst. we have basically it. they need it they call us in the big games they call us in and i love it because they're like you guys change the stadium you guys change the arena there's something different about you It's our faith. And and we got these volunteers that are amazing. They all believe in us. I mean, this last year we gave $9,000 away in one year. That's so awesome. And during COVID, we doubled our amount instead of took away. Awesome. uh, Yeah. So it's just. And in New York. And in New York. Exactly. (laughs) We'll probably get taxed to death, but it's in New York. So, (laughs) yeah. But it's just seeing God take and yes. It's a horrendous situation losing Mm -hmm. my son, but he's allowed us to say yes to his calling and use it as a platform to not only share our faith, because everybody knows about our faith and including the recipients, but also pour into life to these kids. So we encourage enable and empower these students to choose higher education, preferably in a trade, but we do, you know, have other areas they can go into, especially if they persevere through a situation. Right. And make something of their lives in their field Mm -hmm. and believe in themselves. And I'll share this one. Thank you. We got this one young man wrote us a note after the fact and said, you believed in me. So I believed in myself and now I have my degree.
1: Wow. What a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the legacy you were talking about of Greg earlier, right? Like, amen. it keeps giving. Do you raise some awareness, some suicide awareness through it as well?
2: Absolutely. We not only do it in the, the letters we give the kids, we do have bullying and suicide prevention. Sometimes I go out and talk on it. Um, you know, I have my own podcast with it, but we link in with different organizations. A lot of what we do is I don't want to say behind the scenes, but they're just like parents will call us, people know yeah. the elbow that want to need help. So we're we're out there quite a bit with doing those programs. We've linked in with um, the suicide walks, uh, out of the darkness walks, I think is what they're, the one's called. So we are linked into a lot of right. foundations and things that are already set in place. Cause I said, why reinvent the wheel? We'll just participate in these. And it has been good for you. So rewarding. <laughs> yeah, it, it has. It's I feel like so we
1: rewarding. reinvent the wheel way too much. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Cause we can't... want
1: our own thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I, my husband and I say it all the time, even when we're up in the stadiums, it's not And everything we do, we just have Greg's name on it. We don't want Mm. any credit. It's not, it's not Gino and Carrie that are doing this. This is Christ doing it. And Mm. it's seeing Mm. the church work in the community.
1: Wow. I absolutely love that. And I just feel like even just through this conversation, like I can see your passion. Not everybody else can see that, but your faithfulness to keep walking a path where it's so easy to feel Mm -hmm. sad for a long time to live in uh, despair for a long time. And so you have not allowed those feelings to really take control of you. And that is Christ in you. And so what an honor to have you on the show before we go. What is the name of your show?
2: Uh, the Real Raw Truth Podcast. The
1: Real Raw Truth. Truth. <laughs> yeah, Real
2: Raw Truth Podcast is Robbie Raw. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're going to be getting you on. <laughs>
1: awesome. I would love it. So, yeah. thank you so much, Carrie, for being here today. Um, I'm grateful that you are willing and continuing to share Greg's story.
2: Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Don't forget
1: if you or anyone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or emotional distress, call 988 for help. If this conversation is one you found encouraging, I would be grateful if you would share it with a friend.
0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time.